Well, praise the Lord. Um, it's great to sing these old hymns, isn't it? Um, and remind ourselves afresh of the great truth, the great revelation. And, of course, the, the sentiment, if you want to call it that, the, uh, of being near the cross in the sense of understanding that it's at the cross we exchanged our vileness for his glory. And he took upon him all our sin and darkness. A wonderful truth. So we're in Revelation chapter 12 this morning. And I really uh, believe the Lord wants us to begin a series of um, uh, lessons looking at the precious blood of Jesus. Okay? And the power of that blood. And of course our reading this morning, Revelation chapter 12, we see the woman in heaven, the great wonder that appears in heaven, the woman with 12 uh, stars, the crown of 12 stars, and giving birth to a man-child. And um, I'm reminded uh, about some... <laughs> we had a meeting in here once, uh, and it was in Arise, Scotland, and uh, this uh, person, a woman, came up to me afterwards, and um, it shows you the difference in translations, because... This woman, and I'm not going to name her because you all know her, most of you know her, and I won't embarrass her, but she said to me, I heard you were talking about the man-child. Now, after I realised she didn't know what man-child was, probably because she uses the NIV, and it says something different in there. Male-child, it says. But she just didn't know the King James. She said to me, we were talking about the man-child. Is that Kipling? Of course, Kipling was man-cub, wasn't it? So I was like, no, no, it's revelation. So it was funny, but I couldn't... And I'm thinking after, how did she not know that? Probably because she's not a, a, a King James version reader. And that's the King James that I read it from, the man-child. A great teaching, but we're not going to look at that today. What I want to look at today is from verse 10. It says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Now, folks, we need to hear the voice from heaven, don't we? More than ever in this time. We need to hear from heaven, not from man, not from earth, not from all oh, eloquent preachers, great speakers. You know, it's great uh, to, to, to hear someone preaching well, but it's not an earthly voice we need to hear. It's a voice from heaven, and it says, A loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And we need these things at this time, don't we? And the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren, which is, of course, is the evil one, Satan, the devil, is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Satan is the accuser. He is the one who will accuse you before God and accuse you to your own face. You're not worthy to be in this church. You're not worthy to name the name of Christ. You're not good enough to be a Christian. We hear it all the time, don't we? Remember what you did back in 1975. Um, some of us can say that. <laughs> Amen, you're laughing. Uh, some of us can remember back that far. But folks, he is the accuser. And, and the Greek word is kategorio. And we get that word categorized from it. Or we would say label. You categorize someone, you label them. And the devil likes to do that to us, doesn't he? He likes to call us failures and, and hopeless cases and so on. 
And sometimes we take those labels and we put them on ourselves and we put them on other people. But he's the accuser of our brethren. And that's why we ought not go around slandering and accusing our brothers and sisters. Amen. We ought to bless them. Say amen. Praise the Lord. So, uh, and then this next verse. And they overcame him. They overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. The blood is given us for victory. We overcome by the precious blood. And that's why we sing so much about the blood in this church. That's why we ought to. I don't like churches, and quite frankly don't trust churches who don't ever mention much about the blood. We ought to have the blood on our lips uh, all the time, singing those old songs. You know, I, I, I was raised in a home where uh, my, my father, because it's Salvation Army, my, my, my dad's grand, uh, my nana was in the Salvation Army, my auntie Ad was in the Salvation Army. Uh, you can pray for her, she's got COVID just now. She says every time she tests, she's still positive. And I feel like saying, we'll stop testing then. <laughs> you know. Um, but but she, was, she was Salvation Army. And, well, to tell you a story about man. In fact, I will tell you the story. I just hope she doesn't listen into this. She was due to go down south for officer training in the Salvation Army. Full time. Back then, in the 60s, it was, a, it, was, it was a real, I'm not saying it's not serious now, but back then, it had to be a calling. You didn't just say, I'm going to officer training. And um, so she was due to go down. And the week before she went down, my dad said, I'm going to treat you because you're going down. And you've never been to a Rangers game. And so he took her to the Rangers game that Saturday, just as a treat. And she came home and says, I'm not going to officer training. I'm going to start following the Rangers, which is a, <laughs> a tragedy. Okay. And I, I would say that to you. Uh, but she, um, she's back in the Salvation Army now. She goes to the Salvation Army now. But, so you can easily get pulled off your calling, can't you? Uh, so anyway, that's just a wee story. But, so that's why my dad would play all these blood songs, blood hymns. Would you be free? And have you been to Jesus? He played them all the time. And so I grew up with all that. But so every time he would play this, I knew there was something different. It's a strange thing. We sing a lot of hymns, um, and I knew a lot of hymns growing up. But when you, when you put those blood hymns on, there's something, a different atmosphere. And so, why? Because the Bible says we overcome by the blood. So it lifts you into that, a different dimension. So that's why we need to be singing these hymns, Have You Been To Jesus?, uh, would you be free, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? All of these wonderful hymns. And then it says, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So there's three elements here. There's the blood, the word of our testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. But you see, they're all connected because you have the word of your testimony should have the blood in it. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says... Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And that word redeemed or redemption means to purchase back something and it normally means by blood. When it's spoken of scripturally, when it says we're redeemed, it means a price has been paid to buy us back. To buy us back from sin, darkness, the devil 
and place us back in God's kingdom, place us back in God's family, place us back under the, the circle of God's love. So we're redeemed by the blood. It says here we overcame. They overcame him by the blood of a lamb. It doesn't say we will overcome. It says we've already overcome. Overcoming is our nature. It's our identities in our DNA. It's not something we need to obtain or achieve or get. It's something we already possess. And that changes it when you go through trials. It changes it when you're under attack. It changes it when things are not going right. Because what it means is that you're coming from a place of victory, not trying to get to, get to a place of victory. So we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. So what I, want, I just wanted to start with that scripture, because it's a great one to start with. But I intend to go through quite a number of things over the, the next wee while. Um, different aspects, different things, different benefits and blessings that are ours because of the blood of Jesus. Now I know in this place... There's been a lot of singing about the blood, certainly since I became pastor, but I know from before that. So it's a great thing to celebrate today that we are a church that sings these old blood songs, choruses, hymns, and it's, it's part of our heritage here. And it's an old-fashioned gospel thing, isn't it? To sing about the blood of Jesus. Um, and, you know, in fact, talking about Martha's night that's coming up soon, um, David and the family keep talking about how Martha loved and they loved and grew up on redemption songs. And you had the redemption hymns and the redemption songs which we use here. And, that, and the, it's the wee red book as they call it. Now that wee red book is red because of the blood. And it's redemption because of the blood. So that, um, that culture is here in this place. It's, it's in the walls of this place. It's in the, the bricks, if you like. As we say. But so let's look at some aspects of the blood and turn to Leviticus chapter 17. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, if not, you can just listen along, it's not a problem. But Leviticus chapter 17 is where we, we go way back into Leviticus and look at this. And a, a famous little Bible phrase, if you want to look at that in verse 11, because it says here uh, in Leviticus 17. And verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now that was back in the old covenant when the blood of animals was shed to make an atonement, to cover up the sin that the Israelite had committed by the blood of an animal sacrifice. Now we're way, way out of that covenant now and it's the blood of Jesus that has made atonement once for all. Amen. It's not just that we have to do this regularly, we have to do it annually. It's, it's an atonement and an offering once for all. Once forever. You never need to have another sacrifice made because Jesus' blood and the life that was in his blood Perfect, sinless, uh, not a blemish on, on his body or, or his sacrifice. Perfect blood paid the price. Perfect blood atoned. But you know, and what it's really saying here as well is, 
is that the life of the flesh is in our blood as well. It's in it, you know, when you lose your blood, when your blood drains out, your life ebbs out with it, doesn't it? So if you were to bleed to death, that's exactly what happens. When you have a bad wound and the blood starts pumping out of your body, then you lose your life because your life flows out when that blood flows out. And that's what happened on the cross. Jesus' blood was poured out for us, for our benefit, for our blessing, for our eternity, so that we could spend eternity with him and have eternal life coming to us. He shed the life that was in his blood. And it's a wonderful truth. And you know, uh, just thinking about it um, as, as I'm saying this, thinking back to when David had his stroke and he had multiple clots in his, his brain. And um, it was a very severe situation. The surgeon said to me, he'd less than an hour to live unless he opened up his brain. And when he opened up his brain, it was totally drained of blood. Totally drained. It was solid. And the, the, the surgeon used to do that to show, on the ground, to show how solid his brain matter was. Now, they say that you can't last six minutes without oxygen in your brain. If your brain is starved of oxygen for more than six minutes, you become a vegetable. You become severely uh, impaired. Now, David, they believe, he didn't have blood in his brain perhaps for hours. That's how bad it was. And yet, here he is today, a miracle of God's healing power. Amen. So, praise the Lord. Uh, but, you know, blood is so important to the life of our bodies. And it, this is a major theme in God's Word, folks. Um, it's impossible for sin to be removed from our lives without the shedding of blood. It's, it, you know, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. So blood had to be shed. To atone is to suffer the penalty for sin. That's what Jesus did for us. And he removed the effects of iniquity from us and allowed us then to be reconciled to God. And he was the only one capable of carrying out that assignment because his blood was perfect. And so by applying the blood he shed on the cross and bringing forgiveness of our sins, to us, we receive the priceless gift of eternal life. In the cross, we've just sang it. Be our glory ever, because it was on that cross that Jesus perished on our behalf, was murdered, folks. And underwent, you know, you couldn't have killed Jesus. It's impossible. You couldn't have killed him because he was sinless. And, and it's impossible to kill somebody without sin. Amen? But he chose to die. He chose to give up his spirit. He chose to take upon him our sin that then made him subject to death or mortal. Amen? He swapped his immortality for our mortality and suffered the penalty there. So the life of the flesh is in the blood and it's the life in Jesus' blood that he gave so that that life could come into us, come into our spirit man and make us born again. That's what born again means, is that we receive a new life from him in exchange for our 
old life, which was Adamic. Okay. The second thing to look at this morning uh, in terms of the blood, we'll find in Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. If you're following along, you don't need to, but it's, uh, it's just to let you know the scripture reference. Hebrews chapter 9. And verse 22, and here's what it says, folks. I mean, Hebrews is a book full of mentions of God's, of Jesus' blood. It says, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Remember in the law, that's when they had all the killing of the animals, the bulls, the goats. They were all to deal with sin in ancient Israel because sin is a major problem and it, it affected everybody in Adam it affected everybody in the human race if everybody by one man's sin death entered by one man's sin sin entered so that virus see well uh, some of us have had the COVID virus and some of us maybe haven't maybe we've all had it, I don't know um, but one thing one virus you can't escape is the sin virus. And it came upon us. It came, it, 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 you're born with it. Amen. You're born with it. And it's only a matter of time. You've got all these googly, you know, gurgly babies. How innocent and lovely they are. And how, you know. But, but then when they get to a certain age. Amen. Then you see the real nature. Don't you? All the screaming and the tantrums. and Amen. And, and all the, you know, throwing stuff. And stuff. You know, some people never grow out of that. Do it, David. <laughs> Amen. So anyway, but it says here almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And this is the key, this is, I mentioned this earlier. And without shedding of blood is no remission. You cannot deal with uh, sin unless you completely eradicate it. Okay? Um, purge it. And you can't do that without blood. You can't do that without the blood of Jesus. There's no other way. You can't do it through yoga. You, Krishna can't deal with it. Buddha can't deal with it. Muhammad can't deal with it. Um, you know, all your celebrities, they can't deal with it. And let me say this, your preacher can't deal with your, blood, your sin. Only the blood of Jesus and only your personal interaction with him and your coming to him and saying to him, cleanse me of my sin. A preacher, a priest, a minister can't do it for you. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of people going to Protestant churches this morning and they think, I'm, I'm all right, I'm a prodi. I'm no one of these Catholics, okay? But you know, they have just as much religion in them as the Catholics because they think, if I'm in with the minister, I'm in with the Lord. Just like Catholics think, well, I have the priest round for his Friday dinner, fish on a Friday. So he'll put a word in for me. No, no, folks. There is only one mediator between God and man. And it's his blood that brings you to God the Father's presence without sin. And it's only Jesus' blood that can do that. So... Without Jesus Christ giving his blood on the old rugged cross, 
it would be totally impossible for any of us to have a relationship with God the Father, to have our sins forgiven. The only means of pardon is the blood of Jesus. No sinner can expect forgiveness except by the blood of Jesus. If any person is ever to be redeemed, they must rely on the merits of Christ's precious blood. Church attendance won't do it. Praying 10, 10 hours a day won't do it. Reading 100 chapters a day won't do it. You have to believe on the merits of the prayer. And they're the only merits we have. There's no other plea. I have no other argument. I have no other plea. It's only the blood that avails. So... It doesn't matter if you're a prince. It doesn't matter if you're a beggar. It doesn't matter if you live in a mansion or you live uh, on the streets. Everyone is on the same level when it comes to dealing with your sin, when it comes to dealing with salvation. You all get saved. We all get saved the same way through the blood that was shed on the cross. Now, there were specific various offerings um, for Israel, back in the Old Testament, they had the trespass offering, and that was for the removal of guilt. See, we had all different sacrifices. There was the burnt offering, and that doesn't mean Agnes's breakfast, by the way. <laughs> okay. She burns the toast deliberately, you do know that. Don't you? Uh, the burnt offering, we hear about that. <laughs> that's why we use that phrase for cooking. Oh, that's the burnt offering. Uh, but that the burnt offering in scripture was the it meant the totality of sin's removal, complete removal, complete dis, uh, purging, and also providing an aroma pleasing to God. When God smelled the burnt offering, it pleased them because it was a sacrifice acceptable. You had the drink offering, okay, and that, they, they would spill that over the sacrifice, signifying that our lives are to be poured out. They all had meaning, they all had symbolism and they were all types of that sacrifice that would come on the cross. And they had the wave offering, which was a sheaf of barley, meaning we are to lift our sacrifice to the Lord. They all had that symbolism, the wave offering. Okay? And then you had the free will offering, which was given willingly with a heart toward God. And you had also had other offerings. And they were all for peace, thanksgiving, consecration, and so on. But none of them compared with the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross because that sacrifice ended all other of these things. We don't have to hunt goats and bulls and so on now and set up an altar here in front of the pulpit and, and slaughter animals. If we're going to do that, it's because we're having Christmas dinner or something. But folks, we don't need to do that to pay the price for our sins or to atone. So these ordinances of the Old Covenant were temporary and they had to be repeated again and again. But when Christ was nailed to the cruel wooden cross, his shed blood was once and for all. And so we can rejoice today our sins are permanently pardoned and dealt with at Calvary. And look upon it this way. It's a transaction. It's a business transaction in a lot of ways in that it's, it's dealt with once and for all. It's not something we need to do all the time. We need to stay close to the Lord. We need to continue giving him sacrifices in terms of 
the Bible says we give our body as a sacrifice. Amen? But it, um, as a living sacrifice, we, we don't kill ourselves, we don't stab ourselves, but as a living sacrifice, we say, I give my life to you, Lord. And you know, you used to have uh, a lot of that in uh, meetings where we would rededicate our lives. Amen? So we, but we do that. We live for him now, but he died for us once. Amen? So let's just uh, have one more look at for this week, and we'll pick this up again next week. And this is so important, and we we do this when we're celebrating communion, uh, when we have communion. We quote this, we quote Jesus saying this, and it's that the blood, his blood, is the blood of the new covenant, the new testament. So when we have communion, we, 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 we recite this. And you'll find this in Matthew 26, verse 28. And this is in part of uh, when the, the communion, we call it communion, the Lord's Supper. Uh, it says, Jesus took bread, blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take heat, this is my body, which of course is broken for you. He took the cup, watch this, and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. And then verse 28, sorry, I verse 28, for this is my blood of the new covenant or new testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The blood of Jesus is the new covenant. We talk about the, new, the Old Testament and the New Testament, but Jesus said, my blood is this new covenant. My blood is the New Testament. Okay? So it's not some, it's, remember when the covenanters, funnily enough, they were called covenanters, when they signed the covenant, the solemn league covenant, they signed it, some of them, with their own blood. Because what they were saying was, this is everything to me. So many of them signed it in their blood. So Jesus is saying to us, the new covenant is not a mental abstract. It's not a philosophy. It's not uh, an idea or a concept or some new fangled way of thinking. He's saying, it's my life. My blood, my very blood is this new covenant. And so it's so important for us to understand that the only way we could have a new covenant was if he gave his blood. So his very blood is the very essence, the very substance of the new covenant. And that blood, of course, is recorded in heaven. Just like you can go today and see that document signed by our covenanting forefathers that they signed it, some of them, as I said, with their own blood, well, Jesus' blood is in heaven as a record of witness. And it says to anybody who looks or gazes upon it or wants to, it's, it's a legal thing. He says, this is an agreement, a compact, a covenant, and my blood is that very covenant. So it's a wonderful truth for us. So, of course, Jesus then entered into that blood covenant with, with God, and, and we are part of that. You know, it's interesting just to, to close with this. Um, we've been watching, some of you might know this, the John Wayne film Hondo. Uh, it's a great film. You must watch it, ladies. You, you know, you need to get into westerns, ladies, like we men are. Uh, 
And um, but th there's there's a big a big part of the film Hondo is that the wee boy who lives with his mum out in the prairie, and there's these dangerous Apaches in the area, and um, the that this woman her husband has died, so the Apaches they kind of look after her, but they're killing everybody else. Okay, this is this is a good wee story, and so they come to her and say. Uh, you need to marry one of our braves. You can't stay out here on your own. Okay? So when they come to the cabin, and the leader's called Vittorio as a feared, feared Apache warrior. So the wee boy tries to shoot him and kill him. And so rather than shooting the wee boy, they think this is great because they like that they're a warrior. You know. So the Vittorio grabs the wee boy, cuts his finger, and cuts the wee boy's finger, and says, we are now blood brothers. And the wee boy becomes the blood brother of Vittorio. So anywhere he goes, no other Apache tribe dare try to kill the wee boy because he's a blood, a blood brother. And that's what happened when Jesus shed his blood for us. We became blood brothers. We became covenant blood brothers. So, and, and how it works is, his blood is in our blood. Does that make sense? We exchanged. The exchange. That's what, why you do that when you... You cut your hand or you cut your thumb and you join onto the other one. His blood now flows in us. You say, well, what about our dirty blood, our sinful blood? He doesn't want any part of that. No, folks, his blood cleanses our blood. Because his blood is far more powerful. Does that make sense? So all the sinfulness that we had, he overwhelmed it with his blood. And we are now blood brothers. So... In our DNA now is his blood. That's why we're blood washed, blood bought, blood cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. And we're blood brothers with him. But remember, you need to watch that film. Amen. Yes, it's a great story. It shows the power of a blood covenant. And you know, this is the thing. When the devil looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees the blood of Jesus on you, in you. He sees you covered by the blood, protected by the blood. Remember, back in the old covenant, when they were coming out of Egypt, and the Lord said, put the blood of the lamb upon your lintels, so that when the angel of death comes and he sees the blood, he'll fly over you. Because when he sees the blood, death will pass over you. And it's the same with us folks, when the evil one sees us under the blood of Jesus, he can't claim us because we belong to the Saviour. Well, I could go and preach about that for a long time, but we'll leave it there today. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to this. And it's, listen, it's not my message, it's God's message. The power of the blood, the preciousness of his blood. And this blood is for you, shed for you, and available for you with all its benefits. Amen.